You guys okay if we start now? I think it's like a minute early. All right. This is a practical approach to discipleship. My name is Kyle McAllister, and I will be your presenter today. Um, yes, I did it. Line. Um, for, first of all, thank you guys for, for being here. Um, not because you came to see me, but thank you for caring about discipleship. Um, this is my very favorite part of what I do, and it's my very favorite thing about God's kingdom. Uh, this is what gets me going, and uh, I will try not to get going so much that you guys just like black out from lack of oxygen because I stole it all. Um, so, kind of the reason that, uh, that I'm doing this breakout uh, is because oftentimes, so I do Chi Alpha with my wife, Brittany, at Ohio University, um, and it's, it sounds like Chi Alpha has a reputation for doing discipleship. Um, at least that's what people kind of tell me when they ask, what, um, what materials do you use, or... Um, what program do you take people through is a lot of a lot of times what the question the question that we'll get, um, which is fine. Those are fine questions to ask, except that I feel like many times, maybe most times, um, that question is asked synonymously with how do you make disciples. Um, those are not the same thing, um, and I wanna I wanna read you a quote. So this book is called Discipleship by Design. It's written by a Chi Alpha person. This is kind of like Chi Alpha's playbook. Um, it says, Clearly education is part of the process, but certainly not all of it. As I review the many discipleship programs I've seen and the books I have read, you would think education is the full answer. Right thinking is assumed to bring the inner transformation of the heart and soul. If this were true, one could assume Christians in America would be the most robust believers ever to walk the planet. Christians are regularly taught from pulpits and podcasts and from a plethora of books and TV preachers. A follower can pick from scores of different Bible translations. If education is the answer to transformational followership, then why are so many believers so ambiguous in their beliefs and behaviors? No program can fulfill the Great Commission. And I think that's just utterly true. Um, No program, no book, no discipleship material or curriculum can make a disciple only a disciple can make another disciple. Um, And so I want to talk about the balance between uh, curriculum and crisis is what I call it. Um, Curriculum on the one side being the the structure that you take a disciple through and the crisis being the opposite end of the spectrum where you only talk to somebody and ask them like, so what's going on in your life right now? And you try and counsel them basically um, to being a mature disciple, which doesn't happen, uh, doesn't work either. Uh, I started on that side of the spectrum uh, when I came to faith and began uh, attempting to make disciples. Hello, sir. Oh, you already got one. It's almost like I thought ahead. Okay. Um, So I started on the crisis side, and uh, the first guy I ever met with was kind of a mess. Uh, His dorm room, like, caught on fire in the middle of the night. And he called me up and had to sleep on my couch. I'm like, yeah, this is discipleship. And, this is what... and, you know, he struggled with this thing and that thing. And girls came into the picture. And it's like, I'm going to help you through all of it. Then the next guy that I started discipling was kind of the opposite. Had grown up in a Christian family and stuff like that. He had, didn't have any problems. 
didn't have any questions. He's just like, teach me. And I said, oh, <laughs> oh no, I need something to teach you. Week after week is like, what's going on? What do you, how's, how are things going? Good. What are you reading about? Um, I'm reading, read, I read John 16 today. Or Is there a John 16 number? <laughs> I didn't know. And so I had nothing to, nothing to tell him, nothing to teach him. We weren't, we couldn't pick up where we left off because it was always just spot cleaning. So there's, there's a balance. Um, so I want to talk to you guys about an acronym, or I guess it's a mnemonic uh, that, that I just came up with. It doesn't really matter, and you don't have to remember it. Uh, but Christ really is that fantastic. Um, and it stands for, uh, so Christ really is that fantastic. It's just one, one for each. So uh, the C is commitment. And I'll, I'll, we'll, I'll run through them and then we'll go back. So the C is commitment. The R is <laughs> is re, uh, relationship. I is inductive Bible study or induct, inductive biblical literacy. Same thing. Um, the T is transform, transformative or transformation. And the F is fruit or being fruitful. So it was just the the mnemonic is just a a fun name to give it. I don't. It's not something I'm going to use forever. You can tell that I have to even use my notes. Um, but if it helps you, that was the idea. Eyes inductive Bible study or inductive biblical literacy. So this book right here, if I. This is like super 80s or 90s, right? <laughs> They've updated the cover since in recent uh, publishings. But uh, this this is the book. If, if you were going to read a book, if I was going to have you read a book, um, it would be this book. Um, when we when we take our new leaders through, through leadership training, we have them read this book. Um, it was written in the 60s, so it's old enough to, uh, to not be untested. Um, Chi Alpha's kind of playbook or one, one of them borrows heavily and quotes heavily from, from this. So if you read this and then you read this, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I just read that. A lot of times, over and over. So these build on each other. Um, and I read this in college and it's called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And I was not excited to read it. I'm not an evangelist at heart, uh, and so evangelism felt more like a chore, especially at the time, because um, I thought that it had to be the, that confrontational evangelism that I'd kind of seen where you just walk up to somebody you didn't know and ask them a really uncomfortable question, uh, and I hadn't had a lot of success with that. And so it says, the master plan of evangelism, and I was like, mm, okay, but I'll, I'll read it. And then, to my surprise and delight, it was about discipleship. And I got all kinds of feelings inside of me that were good and warm and fleece-lined. Um, so basically, Jesus' plan to take over the world was discipleship. And that's it. And uh, I would love to verbally spar or joust with anybody who, can, who wants to try and convince me that there's anything in all of Christendom that cannot be related to discipleship. You're like, I like worship 
not discipleship. And I was like, that's part of discipleship. I like to preach. It's like discipleship. And I mean, come at me. I will, I will take you on with my discipleship boxing gloves. Um, so, uh, in anything that we do, we want to look at how did Jesus do it. Uh, and this is, this is one place where uh, church, like a sweeping generalization church, has gone off track. Um, so, to look at, and that's what this book does, is just, just look at how Jesus did it. Um, so, Jesus started with commitment. And so, we want to start with commitment. Um, that was his first and only uh, requisite to follow him. And so when he called his disciples, he said, come and follow me. Um, <clears throat> and they did. Some of them were uh, like, well, they were all in different professions. Um, none of them would have finished their rabbinical training, whether they would have washed out at some point, um, which is why they weren't following a rabbi already. Um, so <clears throat> they didn't have to know a ton. Um, and I, I would argue this isn't what I see from Jesus but I would argue they don't have to be a Christian yet so what do they have to be committed to um, in order to be eligible for discipleship uh, so commitment for commitment's sake is drudgery uh, and it will lead to authoritarian oppression by you if you're the disciple or, uh, so they have to be committed to learning about Jesus which is why even a non-believer could, could do it. If they, if they just know that there's something more out there and they want to get to the bottom of it, if they're committed to getting to the bottom of it, no matter where that leads them, they can be a disciple of Jesus. And disciple is just a learner, just a student of Jesus. <clears throat> um, and not just learning about Jesus, but learning about Jesus from, from you. Uh, there are people who will say they want to learn about Jesus and then you tell them something they don't want to hear and then they, bl- they blow you off. That person's not, not committed to learning about Jesus from you. So that's what they have to be committed to. When, um, when I start a new discipleship relationship with, uh, with somebody, I talked about Kung Fu Panda. Can you raise your hand if you've seen Kung Fu Panda? Yeah, I thought I would just split it. If I talk to college students about Kung Fu Panda, some of the time they haven't even seen it because it's too old. And then some people, I know, some people I talk to and it's like, it's too new. And it's just like, I don't know if this is going to land. So there's a scene in Kung Fu Panda, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's animated. It's about kung fu. There's pandas in it. Uh, the main, the main character Po is a panda, and he wants to learn kung fu. Then there's Shifu, who is a red panda, which is does not look like a panda, uh, and he's going to teach him. But he has been really resistant to teaching. Uh, he doesn't think that a fat panda can can learn kung, kung fu. But there's at one point in the movie where Po is crying because it's so beautiful, and he says, "You're not my master." And Shifu asks him, "Do you want to learn kung fu?" And through his tears, he's like, yes. And he says, then I am your master. And I tell that to, to my guys when we start of, do you want to learn the ways of Jesus? And if they say yes, then I say, then you do need to listen to me. I do need, to, I do need you to give me that authority to speak into your life, to say things that you don't want to hear. And when you don't understand or agree, you'll take my word for it. Because you trust that I'm not going to lead you astray, that I know what I'm talking about. And, and I would never say something authoritatively that I was not sure is the way of Jesus. I'll tell you when it's my opinion versus when this is the truth of Scripture. And then, so, uh, committed to learning the ways of Jesus from, from us. And then, um, committed to transformation. Uh, 
I've, I've found that a lot of church kids um, are so on board to learn about Jesus. That's what they've been all about their whole life. Um, but then, and it's really what they're committed to is they want to acquire more knowledge and they want to acquire more teaching. Um, but then it sometimes turns out they're not as committed to transforming and becoming something new, something different, which is what Scripture requires, that we conform to the likeness of Jesus, um, transform to the, com- the character of Jesus. So <clears throat> that's it. And then just as a, as a side, side word, um, you're not responsible uh, for their walk with Jesus. Uh, you, it's not your job to keep them committed. Uh, as, as hard as it is to watch somebody change their mind or something like that, uh, any, anything stepping outside of that is manipulation and controlling, and it's, it's difficult to draw that boundary. Um, but they are responsible for their own walk with Jesus. Um, ultimately, they can take your advice or not take your advice, and that's, it's their life to live and their consequences to suffer. Um, and we make that clear to them. Uh, and th- I think there is room where if they, if they don't take your advice, they can still be your disciple, uh, and you're going to disciple them through the consequences of not taking your advice if, if, they're, if they're willing to walk with you. So that's the C. R is relationship. Once somebody has committed and they say, I will, I will be here, I want to learn, and I want you to be the one to teach me, and I want to, I want to change from who I am to be more like Jesus... Let's, let's do this. Uh, you can't just say, great, stop sinning. Uh, this doesn't work so well. Uh, so you have to uh, build relationship. Um, and just the phrase that I use is we build bridges of relationship that can withstand the weight of truth. Um, so there has to be enough relationship, enough buy-in uh, that they know that you know what you're talking about, that they know that you, you love them and have their best interests in mind. Um, so that you can tell them the hard thing. Uh, I got say well, so I heard about Jesus for the first time as a junior in high school. Uh, I accepted Jesus as my buddy uh, my senior year, walked away from Jesus because he was just my buddy, he wasn't my Lord, um, which I didn't think about that at the time. The way that I was, it was explained to me is he wants to save you from hell, and he wants to be your best friend. And so when I accepted him as my buddy, it was... No commitment. That was great. It was just good for this guy. Um, so I walked away from him really easily. And then two weeks before coming to college, uh, things had just splattered on the ground enough that I said, fine, you know what? I screw up my life in the perpetual sense. Uh, why don't you take a shot at it? And at that point, I handed the keys over to him, and I was born again. My, my personality changed. I was like a, a foot watcher when I would walk. I would just look at my feet, and I would never talk to somebody I didn't know. I'd break out in a sweat if I had to call the oil change place. Like, very introverted, very insecure, spineless. Uh, the girl I dated cheated, cheated on me, and I did break up with her because I was spineless. When, when this happened, uh, I was okay with who I was because I knew God liked me, that, and that's all that I needed. At that point, I'd lost everything else, and so if I could be okay with just God, then anybody else who would like me was just a bonus. And so then there was, this, there was this new thing in me. It was Jesus. I set foot on a college campus, got involved with Chi Alpha, and so everything that I learned about the kingdom, about worship, about following Jesus, about holiness, about any of that was kind of Chi Alpha's brand. Um, and, and I would eat it up. The guy that had discipled me my freshman year, uh, at one point uh, I, was, I was dating a girl just kind of casually because... I was insecure, 
still, you know, still had some leftovers from from being broken my whole life and just dating to be validated and stuff. And he said, I think you should break up with this girl. And just because he thought I should, I did. It was crazy. Like, have you ever broken up with somebody because somebody else said, I think you should, and that was enough? Yeah, I'm, and I'm so glad that I did. I mean, there's, yeah. So if you can have that kind of buy-in, that kind of relationship with somebody that you can have authority to, to give a suggestion that will take it, you can really get some work done for the kingdom that way. So um, we build relationship through shared activities. Um, going, going to a trampoline park can be part of discipleship. Um, if it's intentional, if you're doing it for, for a specific objective, um, at Wright State, where I went to school, uh, I took my core group one time through the sewers of Wright State. Uh, There's a culvert drainage ditch, and we went in there and, you know, got real small, and it was such an adventure. We popped out through a manhole cover, like, a tenth of a mile away, at, like, the Ninja Turtles, and my guys never forgot that. It was awesome. We went through something together, and it bonded us, and we all had our own nicknames, because we felt like we were misfits, and so everybody had fit in their names. So the one guy was tight fit, and this guy was outfit, and it was Mr. Fit, and uh, fitness was one of them. Hissy fit was another. <laughs> so it was like these things that bonded us together. We developed a relationship where we trusted one another. We would uh, love one another, want to give up something of ourselves for one another. And this, this can be one-on-one. This can be in a group. Uh, Jesus was the best of all of us, and he, he only shot for 12. I, I would only ever take on maybe five, six at a time, um, and, and that might become clear as we go. Um, these are God-centric friendships. Um, we'll see a lot of people come into Chi Alpha who love the community, and they love how people are nice to one another, genuinely care about one another, and don't have to worry about drinking if that's something that if they're not into. Um, but then we do like an all-night prayer, or something, and they won't come. It's because they're not into the Jesus part, they're into the, the fun part. And so these are God-centric uh, friendships. This takes a lot of time, especially if this is an international student, or, well, that's my, that's my context. If this is somebody who's from a different culture, it takes a lot of time. Um, Hispanic students, uh, Arab students, they, they, meals take a long time. Or they, they might take a long time to, to build trust with you, or you might not have the right credentials. If I'm not older than this person, they might not see me as an authority, or they might not hold automatic respect, or something like that. So it just takes time. <clears throat> um, I, so I have a small group with two guys right now, and neither one of them are leaning in very, very hard. I'm, I'm leading the small group because they're freshmen and I want them to have direct access to me and have my uh, culture and DNA and I want them to, to have that. I see leadership potential in them and so I want to invest in them. Um, but the guys that I feel like I'm really discipling, one of them lives in my house and the other one helps me. He, he's a given year on staff with us. Um, I see them, ten, I mean, more than 10 times a week. One of the guys, I see him in his pajamas and I want, like... Uh, the other guy I'm, I'm taking through premarital counseling with his fiance is all the time. Jesus spent day and night for three years with his disciples. That's why he could do 12. If you don't have day and night for three years, I wouldn't take on 12. 
So the I is inductive biblical literacy. Um, what that means is knowing how to read the Bible um, and not just for comprehension. Some people read the Bible and like, oh, I understood something that time. And that's like, that's enough for them that it's like a win. Um, so inductive means connecting the dots. So uh, can you just throw out like a Bible story? Any, anything? That you can? Jonah. Great. So you read Jonah and you say, you connect it maybe with the, the New Testament where Jesus said that I'm not going to give you a sign except for the sign of Jonah, that the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and then he'll rise again. And what does that mean? Well, sometimes we go through dark times and we have to to be like Jesus, but we trust that God will bring us back into the light and he will do this great miracle through our obedience even if it starts in disobedience. And like, boom! Discipleship moment. When they can connect the dots for themselves, when they can pull the truth of Scripture out of Scripture as they read it, that is when they become inductively, biblically literate. So, um, what you have in front of you, ProApt, um, it's a Kafa resource. I don't think Kafa invented it. You can photocopy that, reproduce it. It's on our website, xabobcats.com. It was probably originally taken from uh, the University of Virginia Chi Alpha or Sam Houston Chi Alpha or something like that. Um, it's not it's not proprietary knowledge. So PROAP stands for pray, read, observe, apply, pray again, and tell. And um, first first week of school, we're talking to students about commitment. And the best way to go about it is casting vision. If you will commit yourself to being with us, not just attending, but being invested in this group of guys. You will hang out with us. You will come to things that we're at. If you will let us rub off on you, I can guarantee that you have the best semester that you've ever had with Jesus. You will be farther along with Jesus than you've ever been or that you were at you know, this time last year. Um, but, but it requires commitment. Will you commit? Second week, you probably have to have that conversation again because one guy shows up 20 minutes late and then has to leave like an hour early or something like that. It's like, okay, guys, this is what commitment looks like if we're going to do this the right way. It's not just something you can do once. Then it's, hey, let's go do something fun. Let's, you know, go throw water balloons at this other core group that we know meets in this building. Or um, what, what, would, what would that look like in your context? Not everybody's on a college campus. I get that. So, so how, what would some fun, something fun you would do to build a relationship with somebody that you're wanting to begin a discipleship relationship with? Roller skating. Roller skating, okay. Yeah. Do you roller skate? Poorly. Perfect, yes. <laughs> to, for them to see you fall down and how you act and you're not cussing at the world and stuff like that, they say, wow, okay, he's got a lot of patience. Yeah. What else? You guys know how to f- have fun? Game nights. Game nights? Ma- maybe. That's my jam. And we're like, we're going to have a game night. And then nobody shows up and it's like, that's not their thing. But, yeah. Anybody play music? Let's, let's jam. I don't, what, do, what else do you guys do? You guys got to do something. I heard something. What did you say? Oh, okay. Okay. Jesus, small down, girl. <laughs> I, I lived before Jesus, you know, before I knew Jesus too. What else? Go to football games, eat pizza. Yeah. Anybody ever make a turducken? <laughs> Me either. Go ahead, try it. Does anyone know what a turducken is? Yeah. yeah. 
let's see. Um, I bought a giant inflatable soccer ball, six foot. Took that onto campus, and we started playing like soccer just to see who would come running to to do that. Yeah, you you can do anything. Ladies shopping. Uh, that's what my, my wife likes to take girls to Parkersburg because that's where the next closest shopping is to us. Uh, road road trips. If they'll vacation with you, that's gold. Like sit in a hot tub with somebody, you bump. Car shows, great. So you might have to ask them what they like to do, and then do that with them. If somebody you're, like is really into VR or something, and you go to their house and just watch them play VR, <laughs> it's not really like a group sport. But uh, you maybe you're not into basketball, but they just love three on three basketball, and you just meet them where they're at and try and make a discipleship moment out of it. But when you when you step outside of your comfort zone, when you make them step outside of their comfort zone, when everybody's outside of their comfort zone, you actually go through something together. Uh, do something mostly legal. Right? So, so something I've done with my guys, we play fireball, where you take uh, lighter fluid, put it in a bucket, dump some... I got your attention. <laughs> uh, dump some tennis balls in, mix them around, then you light it on fire. The lighter fluid burns instead of your hands. So then you can toss it around and like play hot potato for real. I don't. I. That's mostly legal. I mean, we kind of like did it at, at night and just because you know, not sure. But you, it feels a little bit dangerous. There's relationship built. Going going in the sewers at Wright State. That's. I don't know any statute that says you can't, but a cop would probably have a problem with it. It's mostly legal. Yeah. Now you're getting a feel for for Kyle, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. Anybody ever play bigger and better? You start with a paperclip and then you you have to go trade it. You go door to door or dorm to dorm or whatever, uh, and you say, "Do you have anything bigger or better than this?" And then you trade them. And it, we get couches. We get I, the the rolling luggage. I no, you've tr- you traded them. Yeah. You just you scale up. So the 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 real for like for real luggage that I use I got from bigger or better, uh, what? yeah. Well, I traded them like a a Bluetooth speaker for it, or something something like that because it was bigger and not terribly crummy. And there, there's so much fun stuff that you could do. Um, so they've committed. Then you've actually shown them something that they they that they want to be part of. They get to know you. Then proapt. If I like to make things fun. I want to come back to like a serious lane for a minute. Do not move on with teaching them anything, nothing, until you have taught them to study the scriptures for themselves. It doesn't matter if they can worship. It doesn't matter if they can do X, Y, Z. They will be dependent upon you for their spiritual growth if they cannot read the scriptures for themselves. If they do not, even if they can, if they do not read the scriptures for themselves, they will not grow as a follower of Jesus. They will not grow into his character and his likeness. You will not, will not have the same authority as scripture does to change the human heart. You have to get them face to face with the word of God for transformative discipleship to happen. So, uh, with those two guys that I told you about, that they're just like kind of, we're still on, we're still studying the scriptures. We're doing pro-apt. Uh, it's spring, we're going into spring break now. Yeah, it's officially spring break for us now. The one guy I gave him, like I told him, to do six chapters over spring break, and and make notes about 
about what he did when we come back together. So he has two weeks to read six chapters. That is doable for somebody who is at zero right now. I didn't expect him to do it every day. Six chapters. He could do half a chapter a day or he can do all of them in one day. It's what, whatever. I just want him to interact with the word and make, and have a thought about it. The other guy, I gave him a different challenge, but they have to establish a rhythm of doing that in their daily lives. You can put them on like a, a Bible app reading plan. Um, I would also say this is not devotionals. Is that me? No. Okay. Just these wristbands. <laughs> They're tracking us. Uh, devotionals are not the Word of God. Many times, devotionals that I've, I've done, there's like this much devotional content and then one scripture. Right. And it's... Yeah, it's they're, they're, they're good. They can be good. Um, if you've never done the Live Dead Joy devotional, that's good. That's really good. Um, but it's not the same thing as, as just reading the scriptures and just the scriptures and using your own brain to, to pull something out of it. Um, we, we, let, we let people's brains atrophy when we do all the processing and induction for them. Um, that's, what ser- I mean, that's what sermons are. We've, we've done all the work for them. Um, it serves a purpose, but we, that's not what we're going for here. So, once they're reading the Bible on their own, they're not, get, they're not taking funky right turns where, like, I think this is, like, describing the energy that exists in the universe. And, okay, what, once they start discerning it correctly and they're doing it regularly, then you can move on. That is the point, in, in my opinion, where you can bring in whatever you want. So, uh, discipleship by design, master plan of evangelism, um, Kaifa uses this. This is what I use for brand new believers in Jesus. Maybe somebody who even started discipleship as a non-believer, and at some point they came, and, and I would tell them, "All right, at this point, you know enough to to decide. Do you want to love God? Do you want to be with Him forever? Are you willing to make the exchange that it requires, which is your whole life, uh, trusting that God is good and He's not going to bait and switch you or something?" And if they would say yes, then it's like, "Great, we're going to do this." This is very, very close to ProApt, where um, you start in Genesis, uh, and it, uh, it asks you to read certain verses, like one at a time, in creation. And right here, just a couple lines, verse 10, what was creation like? And they always overthink it. This is really funny. If you choose to use this, and then you do this, watch them overthink it. What was it like in the beginning? Well, I mean, it started out, like this, and then... It, no, 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 just from verse 10. What, is it, what does it say? And eventually, they'll come in, It was good. Great, you got it. Okay, how about verse 12? Well, some of it was dry, and some of it was... No, 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 no. It was good. Yes. Verse 18. It was good? You got it. Verse 21. It was good. Verse 25. It was good. And then it moves on to like... Okay, what does this mean for us? God doesn't make junk. You, yeah, you were, you were intended to be good. We broke ourselves. And Jesus paid for that. And then, and like, boom, boom, boom. But it's, it's directly tied to the scriptures. Kingdom Come by Alan Mitsuo Wakabayashi. This is the book that I would write if I were to write a book and could ever iron out the inappropriate, funny stuff that I like to do. You guys were coming up with... Did I give you enough time? Sorry. You guys still thinking of people... When I was asking you guys about obstacles that you foresaw, um, they were with what sounded like what could be the first person that you talked to. Um, what if they won't commit, or what if they don't have time, or what if they won't 
give up the world. Um, I want to. I want to breathe vision into you guys. Think bigger. The biggest obstacle that you can have hopefully be like, where are you going to put all these people when they when they all want to worship Jesus at the same time? Because there isn't a, a you know a building in your town big enough to hold everybody all at the same time. Or uh, how are, how are you going to manage all the all the different communities of of Jesus when they when they want to you know have have an all night prayer or something like that? How are you going to manage the stress of uh, feeling an incredible burden to share the testimonies of all the different ways that God is saving people out of their sin and bringing them to wholeness and how are you going to handle the person who's just so passionate about Pentecostal style healing and every person they pray for steps out of a wheelchair and and you don't have to steward that because that's not that's not you those are big, those are big problems God will provide for all of them but think bigger this is this is how we take over the world can you guys can you guys ask me questions if I haven't made something clear I assume that I haven't just because that's me have questions about how this how this looks. Yeah. What would getting started look like? You can't just discipleship isn't really a common American concept. Mm-hmm. So it's probably going to have to be something that I would bring up. Mm-hmm. What is a not? How do you in a not weird way say <laughs> I'm going to teach you things I know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say it's an invitation. Um, casting vision. So, um, if there are ladies that you already run with um, that you know love Jesus, um, that would probably be the best place to start. Because um, then you're not doing it alone. Once once you've passed it on to them, then they're doing it with you. Um, if if you have to start at your workplace or something like that with people who don't even know Jesus yet, that's a that's a different kind of thing. Um, but I would say. Hey, I see, I see potential in you. Just the way that you treat people, I see that you have really capacity to love well, and and I want to invest in people like that. Uh, could, could we read the Bible together? And and I, I want to walk with Jesus with you. That's, I mean, that is if they're if they're a believer. And but I think it's important that you know we do it regularly, and it's not just something that we check off. But like, I want to become better friends with you. I want you to see the different parts of my life. I, I really care. I want to see the, the parts of your life. Um, even the parts that you're not super proud of, and, and I don't want to let Jesus shine on all of that. And we we do that with me. And if they say yes, you're you're good. I mean, that's like permission to just go. Does it does that feel doable for you? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes my wife, she's very bold, and you. I mean, some of you guys might know her, but like, she'll just go up and like, why aren't you? doing this yet or something they're like God I don't even know who you are <laughs> the way that I mean we, we witnessed this girl together on campus who said that she was you know leaning towards Wiccan or something and she goes but you know that Jesus created the whole world and he loves you and you know you need to turn to him right or is it like oh, I could never say something like that and so the way that you might invite somebody might be different than the way that I do it what was your question? Um, I in the past I have where I would be like what I think is discipling, reading the Bible together, talking about it. Mm-hmm. And those people will, it always starts gradually, but they'll walk away slowly. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard for me to decide at what point am I nagging and at what point mm-hmm. am I showing I love you. Yeah. Or like, do you ever have that? Yes. Um, usually it's not hard enough for them. 
Um, so if I'm just showing them the Bible and it's not really changing us, um, there's nothing for them to engage with. Um, but when I myself am trying something harder than I've done before, like I'm going to fast for 10 days this time, and, and it's like, you do it with me? Okay, will you do the, ha- the first half with me? Okay, will you do breakfast with me? Like, um, you invite them to do something that is... If they, if they want to grow with Jesus, you just have to give them a path to do that. Or, or what's something bigger than, than we can do right now that you want to do, and I'll do it with you? Um, you want to read the whole Bible? So I had a girl come to Jesus, and she read the whole Bible in 12 days. Wow. She was hungry for God, and she had nothing to do. She couldn't drive. And she just read the whole, the whole Bible. And then she did it again in like a, a longer period of time, again. And it's like, okay, we have to think of something bigger for her. And you know, we didn't. And uh, she she showed up to help us set up chairs and stuff like that. But we didn't give her something harder to do. And she ended up getting tangled up in sin. And and she's she's still with us. She still loves Jesus. But it, yeah, we didn't keep her busy enough, and she's got mixed up. So. Uh, yeah, you got to give them something to work toward, and then give them a job to play. If they just show up to, to receive, um, that's like a the kiss of death. So you have to give them responsibility and something that is worthy of what they can do. That's what I would say. Hmm. Questions? Yeah. How do you do this with people who don't know Jesus? So it has to be people who want to know. So if you have a relationship with them where they're asking questions, um, or they seem they seem curious. Um, in Washington, during my Kafa internship, um, I, there's a, a large contingent of Saudis, um, and my internship director and I started reading the Quran to to better understand what they believe and where they're coming from. And so then I talked to them. I said, "Hey, do you know what? I've been reading the Quran. I'm very surprised about some of the things that I'm that I'm learning that it teaches. Uh, and I wonder if there are things in the Bible that that might surprise you about what Christians believe. Could we read that together?" And then we ended up having like seven Saudi guys in my apartment reading the Bible. They invited their imam. And then there's this imam in my apartment reading from Isaiah about Jesus. But he's singing it because the way that from the Arabic Bibles that we gave them, they can sing it. So they're singing the truth about Jesus from the Old Testament in my apartment. It's like, this is great. So, and they, did, they didn't, they hadn't come to faith at that point. So it was still just, you want to learn about Jesus? And... Are you willing to show up for that and stuff? So that's what I was saying. Sometimes I think just being like them not understanding why you're so happy, why you're always in a good mood, why, how you're acting, mm-hmm. that interests them. Like, I want what you got, and you go, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I'm doing this. Sometimes they sometimes they bite themselves. Mm-hmm. So there's um, so evangelism hopefully will lead to discipleship. Wanting to know why you're happy is not the same thing as, okay, I'm ready to come every week, or I'm, I'm ready to change myself. But but if they want it badly enough, they will commit. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. Sorry, one more. Yeah, is this an okay thing to do with you? With what? With you. Why wouldn't you? I, sometimes the rule is it's just safer if you don't do one-on-one stuff with you. You do it in larger groups. Yeah, I wouldn't do it one-on-one then. Um, when when I'm doing discipleship with the, the two guys, sometimes I'm just talking to the one guy, but I make sure that the other guy is paying attention to how I talk to him. And I said, did you did you just see that he confessed something and I did not get mad at him? I still love him the same, even, even though he messed up. He messed up, dude. And like, 
and then they get to see what it looks like, and, and they get to see what it'll look like for them when they start discipling somebody. Um, it's hard to do something you've never seen before. Um, if you've only ever seen a one-on-one, you know how to do a one-on-one. It's harder to do it a two-on-one or more um, if you've never seen that. And so, yeah, but it takes more, more strength on your part as a discipler to, to be intentional and make sure that everybody's engaged and stuff like that. I would, I would keep it uh, gender-specific, gender um, one, for, oh, yeah. for propriety and stuff like that, but then also there's stuff that I'm going to connect with a guy's heart in a way that only a guy can, and I'm going to miss a part of a woman's heart just because I'm not a woman, and I can never, never speak to that and never understand it. So it's different than a Bible study. You can do Bible study. Let's go ahead, and that's not, not a problem. Any other questions? These are good questions, and I can tell that you're, you're thinking about how is this actually going to work for me. I hope it does. Um, if you guys, I, I don't know if my information is on sketch, but if you want, I, I will be a resource day or night. If, if you want to do this, this is my passion, and, and this is what God has commanded me to do. And so if I can help you do it for real, I will, I will do whatever it takes. Cool?